Welcome to our March 8th International Women's Day podcast. Though, of course, for most women around the world, there is little to celebrate in terms of their rights. In this podcast, we'll take a look at women's rights in Turkey, from discriminatory use of language to femicides, from toxic masculinity to how women fight back with humor. This is the Turkish Coffee Podcast by Nazlan Ertan and Aygen Aytaç, two witty women who have been friends for decades as they traveled and worked all over the world. Aygen, I'm still under the influence of our last podcast on dystopia and George Orwell. He who controls the language controls the mind, it says in 1984. Mind you, it's he. Neither she nor the person. So you want us to speak first on the misogynist side of the Turkish language. The gender discriminatory proverbs and idioms. We certainly have a lot of them. Some of them are very archaic and deeply rooted in Turkish culture. Well, strangely though, in some ways the Turkish language is very egalitarian. For example, we do not have he or she, but a neutral third person. In languages where he and she exist, he Like we have given as an example in Orwell, he dominates. For example, in French, an all-female group defined by they in feminine, elle, become masculine as soon as a single male enters the group. The French activists, of course, think that this teaches French pupils early on that the masculine dominates over the feminine and they want it changed. In English, though they is neutral, he is often used for both sexes, as in he who loves lust. Also, men come in first in a number of daily expressions. It is men and wife, male-female ratio, or mankind-womankind, not the other way around. Ironically, in the Turkish language, it is just the opposite. It is karikoja, wife-husband, or kadın-erkek-herkes, meaning woman, man, everybody. <laughs> But this is negligible compared to the sexist expressions, some of which are deeply integrated into the daily language. Some come from old proverbs that downplay women's intelligence, such as women have long hair but a small mind, Others refer to a husband's right to beat up his wife like a woman should be with a child in her belly and with a stick on her back. Ugh, this is my least favorite. But these archaic expressions are hardly unique to the Turkish language. Essentially, language is man-made, as males had more power to shape the language than women did. And we women, we keep trying to reclaim the language from New York to New Delhi. But it's such a huge battle. Take, for example, the vocabulary related to work. It's a businessman. Though we insist on business people for the last two decades, but there is also work like a man to praise good work, the right man for the job to indicate the quality of the job. The message is clear. Work as a domain is a man's world. It's even more than that. In the male-centric language, men are seen as reliable and true to their word. In Turkish, we say adam gibi adam, a manly man, to say that someone is honest. We say a man's word, to refer to a firm commitment, and talking like a man, to refer to a straightforward and clear talk. The opposite sexist language is also available, of course. When a man talks too much, he's criticized for talking like a woman. Several years ago, one of Turkey's pioneering companies, Koch, came up with a gender guide on external and internal communications. You know, the guide was prepared with the help of our friend from UNFPA, Merte Maduk, yeah. and not surprisingly, it insisted on the use of kadın, woman, as opposed to bayanlar, ladies, or hanımlar, missus. But after last week's episode, I'll leave it to explanation to you. Well, let me try. Woman is the gender and the opposite of man. 
and Mrs. or ladies are just titles or ways of addressing someone. But in Turkey, these addresses are used to replace women as a substitute for gender. And this use has political connotations. Feminists and modernists would like the term woman to be used, rather than the so-called polite versions, such as hanım or bayan or worse, miss instead of woman. You know, someone asked a question on the difference between kadın and bayan and all the rest on Quora, a portal where you post questions and get answers, often from native speakers. There are around 50 answers around that one, and several of them say that this is so confusing, even for native speakers, because there are such wide views on how women want to be addressed. That's true. One of the answers acknowledges the difference of attitude, saying whichever word he chooses, there would be someone who would consider him rude, and he concludes that he would go with kadın as it is better to be seen as rude rather than rude and sexist. <laughs> sure, there must be many old-fashioned women who would like to be called lady. And some men, like taxi drivers or shopkeepers, just want to be polite in their own way or just to please such women. But on the other side of the spectrum, there are some women who would be offended if they were called bayan. Because bayan also reminds them of the privileges in a patriarchal society or, let's say, the pretense of protecting women. Let's say a woman wants to reserve a place in an intercity bus on a long trip. The man, or even woman on the reservation desk, asks bayan yanı, meaning near a woman. So, if you're a man, you're not allowed to buy a seat next to a woman. If you're a woman... You can't say it doesn't matter. I hate the whole idea of gender seats. It's patronizing and out of date. It's just as bad as women's pink buses this government wants to have to protect women. <laughs> Do they still exist? They were briefly used in some cities, Şanlıurfa, Bursa and Malatya, right? Right. A friend in Bursa told me that the pandemic put an end to the pink buses there. Good riddance. <laughs> this might be one of the advantages of pandemic. Going back to gender and language, women's activism on the language extends to journalism too. Journalist groups give regular training on non-sexist language, particularly in coverage of femicides. Rightly too. This is such a major issue for Turkey. There are 474 femicides taking place in 2019, and activists say that the number has increased in 2020. When we look at the way some of this is covered, however, the language of the papers, not to mention the info on social media, is still very sexist and worse with victim blaming. And some still romanticize the femicides, portraying them as passion crimes or cases of too much love and jealousy. Sometimes fighting sexism in language can take you to court. Several years ago, a woman, Dishat Aktaş, filed for removal of several discriminatory words in the Turkish Language Institute Dictionary. A court in Ankara agreed and the words were removed. Do you remember the words? Oh yes, one was dirty, to refer to a woman who is menstruating. The other two were easy and available, again referring to women, meaning of easy virtue or lose. What did you think of the decision? I remember the debate around it at the time and so many people were very angry with the dictionary for having those words in. But I think a dictionary can and should contain gender discriminatory words if they're in use. The mistake of the dictionary, in my opinion, was not containing the words but not marking them as archaic or derogatory. I totally agree. If these words exist in literature or songs or speech, 
One good dictionary should include them, because someone who sees that word in a book should be able to look it up and find it in a dictionary. However, the dictionary has the responsibility to have a good explanation on how it should or shouldn't be used. On the other hand, I understand that activists are sensitive to issues related to women's virtue or sexuality, because this issue comes up in the political rhetoric all the time. The current government, from the president down, is very sexist in language. Which is reflected in the policy making as well. Yes, to give a few examples, President Erdogan, when he was insulted by a woman in Izmir, said, this woman, I don't know whether she is woman or a girl. Thus bringing up the virginity question, which is totally irrelevant in this case. <laughs> At best, he didn't want to offend her by calling her a woman if she were a virgin. But this is the exact point of view we find unacceptable. Who cares if she's a virgin or not? Why emphasize that? What is it to do with politicians or anybody else? At first, a woman's virginity or virtue or honor becomes a point of attack. And it wouldn't be new for this government. Yes, I was furious by the recent statements of AKP deputy Özlem Zengin, who tried to deny strip search reports in the police stations by questioning the testimony of women searched. She said that honorable women wouldn't wait as long as the survivors to report such an incident. These repetitive statements on women's honor are all around. And this rhetoric by the government aggravates already existing toxic masculinity all over the country, both in action and language. But I think Turkish women occasionally come up with good ways to combat sexism and toxic masculinity. My favorite will always remain the topsy-turvy tweets last year, where women simply reversed gender roles in proverbs and sayings, and posted them online. Oh yes, the campaign called Men Should Know Their Place, launched jointly by an academic and a singer, no? Yes, young Turkish singer Gaye Suakyol simply tweeted, My husband can work if he wants to, mocking the common and rather patronizing wording of men who want to show that they are liberated and allow their wife to work. It's also sad because until 1990, married women needed their husband's permission to work in Turkey. Then the Constitutional Court cancelled this infamous Article 159 in the civil law. There are some funny tweets, particularly those touching on the virtue issue which we discussed earlier. Why would a decent man be out in the street after midnight? Many of the tweets mock the government rhetoric that we criticize, including the consistent glorification of mothers that we hear often at the expense of women who are single or without children. That's us without children. <laughs> and that's me <laughs> for both. <laughs> My favorite was one that poked fun at sexism and toxic masculinity. There are two types of men. Those to marry and those to have fun with. <laughs> does that still exist for women? Well, actually, it does not. I knew you would ask that, so I checked it in the Turkish Proverbs Dictionary. It has been removed. If only it could be removed from the minds, of course. <laughs> but joking aside, it's a pretty grim photo for women, both in Turkey and around the world. Yes, forced and early marriages growing in number in Turkey and beyond. Despite corporate claims of promoting women, glass ceilings unbreakable. Women more likely to lose their jobs in the pandemic and to be saddled with more tasks in child and elderly care. And they are likely to see more domestic violence under the lockdown. In fact, calls to helplines increased fivefold in some countries. Less than 40% of those women seek help of any sort. Only less than 10% go to the police. The rest remain silent. The ones who can go to the police are lucky ones. According to the UN, globally, 137 women are killed by a member of their family every day. Every day. In the Middle East and North Africa, 
40-60% of women experience street-based sexual harassment. According to the Gaza Strip rules that women require the permission of a male guardian to travel, adding Gaza to the long list of places in the Middle East where women need male permission to move. <laughs> a man accused of rape is given a ministerial position in the French cabinet. And Poland tightens its law on abortion in such a way that it becomes impossible to have one unless the woman's life is at risk or if the pregnancy is a result of rape or incest. <laughs> Can you think of anything to celebrate at all? I can't. Then let's ask our listeners. Can you think of anything to celebrate for women on March 8? If you can, write to us at turkishcoffeepodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.